Welcome to Dig a Bit, a podcast for women who want to dig into the meat of God's Word for a bit. We are glad you have taken a few minutes out of your day to listen. Our host is Cindy Colley from thecolleyhouse.org. Now grab your Bible and let's dig in. Good morning. From where I am speaking, it is a beautiful Sunday morning. I'm looking outside and there's a little bit of a cloud and this is the day the lord has made we will rejoice and be glad in it this is the day that we worship the lord this is the day that we commune in fellowship with one another so wherever you're listening i'm knowing that you too are getting ready or have already gone depending upon your time zone to worship our god today and i am so thankful that i have this sort of digital fellowship with you all and I'm thinking about you this morning as I'm getting ready to go and worship our God. Our study this month is about the greatest escape of all as far as a physical escape in the history of this world providing the great spiritual escape that you and I have. You know, we have, uh, this week is Family Bible Week at the West Huntsville Church, and we are involved in, oh, a lot of preparation and a lot of work in order to make the Bible come to life for the children who will be attending our various centers. And the one that I am involved in is a depiction, to the best of our ability, of the plagues that occurred in Egypt in Exodus chapters, I believe that's 7 through 12 there, where the plagues occurred. And as I think about that, I think about, you know, the amazing power that God had over nature, the supernatural power that He has. Uh, of course, he, He's the inventor of nature. It is all a result of the the handiwork of the Almighty God and so messing with it uh, rearranging it superseding it and making it work to the good of his people in supernatural ways is certainly within the realm of God's ability he can do anything that he wants to do and in Exodus he, he's not working supernaturally today we read in 1 Corinthians 13 because he's pushed the pause button on that supernatural activity. But in Exodus 7 through 12, I want you to think just about, just for a minute with me, about what makes that so easy for us as Christians to grasp. And that is because of what we're studying this month the resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the amazing foundational centerpiece of our faith. Paul said as much in 1 Corinthians 15 when he said, if you don't have the resurrection, you you don't have anything. You don't have any faith. Your faith is vain. But if you, as a Christian, are basing all of your hopes and all of your decisions on the fact that there really was an empty tomb on that Sunday morning, If you're basing your life on that fact, then it's really easy for you to believe all the other 
miraculous events that occurred in the Bible. You're not going to argue about whether or not Genesis 1 to 11 is literal, whether or not those things really are occurred or if they are traditional mythology. You, you, it doesn't take very much faith to believe that Genesis 1 to 11, the flood, was a literal, the creation and the flood were literal occurrences if you believe that Jesus Christ came from the tomb. All of our faith and all of our hope and all of our love for one another in the body of Christ, the three greats of 1 Corinthians 13, depend on that empty tomb. And that's what we're studying this month. I wanted to spend just a minute this morning with you as we think about some um, discrepancies that have already been found in the first few paragraphs that I have written in our text for this month and learn something as we're doing so. First of all, in the very second paragraph this month, we have the idea of Peter and how that this was a great weekend of personal sorrow for the Apostle Peter. Because you remember what he did. He was standing around that fire and he was questioned about Jesus at a time when Jesus was undergoing great persecution. He was looking, he was within eyeshot of Jesus and he was seeing the persecution that his Lord was undergoing and he became afraid and he saw an easy way to prevent that persecution from coming upon him personally at that moment. And you remember when he was asked, aren't you one of his disciples? Don't you know him? That he denied Jesus three times before the cock crowed. Well, there was no going back, your text says. The last communication that he would ever have, as far as he knew, with Jesus would be that one. When their eyes connected as the rooster was crowing. Well, and then I have the scripture reference, Matthew 26, 69 to 75. Well, that is the reference, the story, the account in which that eye-to-eye contact occurred. And so that's, that's not an erroneous scripture. But I should have added with that Luke 22, verse 61. If you turn to Luke 22, verse 61, as I'm doing right now, it says, And the Lord turned. This is right after verse 60, where Peter said, Man, I know not what you're saying. He denied the Lord the third time with an oath. We know that from putting passages together. And immediately while he yet spake, the cock crew. And verse 61 says, And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And we know that Peter saw that gaze of the Lord. We assume that he did. We rightly, I believe, assume that he did because it says next, And Peter then remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him before the cock crow, Thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. So we put those two passages together to know that what Peter thought in his lack of understanding would be his last communication from the Lord was just after he denied him 
And the Lord looked over, and their eyes met at that moment. Luke 22, verse 61 should have been added there. And then another sister, whom I love very much, contacted me and said, when we're talking about that weekend of sorrow for so many people, I said that John's house was a sad place, too. That's where Mary was. We know that in John 19, verse 27, Jesus gave the care of his mother to Mary. She, of all people, absolutely knew for a surety that the child she'd born and raised was the Son of God. And it had not been easy either. There was the initial scandal in Nazareth, beginning even in the ears of Joseph about the boy who really didn't even know who his father was. That's in John 1, verses 18 and 19. And then there was jealousy and strife and the ultimate rejection of Jesus by his brothers. We know that from John 7, verse 5. And then I made this statement. There was the loss along the difficult journey of her husband, the father of her other children, and the emotional loss of those other children who were rebellious against the cause for which her firstborn had just died. And then there was that Friday when she watched her firstborn give his life in a very intensely painful way. She watched him struggle to breathe while people spouted out blasphemies against her firstborn. So the question was, why did you say that Joseph died? I can understand why you think Joseph died, but why did you say that Joseph, the father of Jesus, died? Well, I actually want to be clear here. I did not say that Joseph died. I said there was the loss somehow along the difficult journey of her husband. Well, loss and death are really not the same thing, or at least they're not always the same thing in my mind. I believe that he was dead just because it's hard for me to figure out any other kind of way she would have lost him given the great faith that he had in the beginning chapters of the Gospels when he was obedient he was first pure morally he you know he really went to a great amount of sacrifice to not commit moral sin in the beginning chapters of the Gospels so I think it's very important to remember the great obedient faith that he had when he was told to take Mary he did even though there was ridicule he, when he was told to go to Egypt, he did. He did whatever God had told him to do. So I believe, given that, that Joseph died a faithful man. I, I have to come to that conclusion as far as a belief, but it is so true that we do not have a scripture that plainly tells us that Joseph died. Still, though, I believe that loss, and, and why, why are we having this discussion anyway? Well, we're having it because at the cross, Jesus Christ looked down and gave the care of his mother to the Apostle John, whom he loved. So when Jesus did that, then what we know is that there was no believing member of the immediate family 
of Mary that was available to take care of her. We know what Jesus believed about marriage and about a husband providing for his wife and taking care of her. We know that from the teaching of inspiration in Ephesians 5. The Holy Spirit there is comparing marriage to Christ and the church. And a husband is to love his wife as much as Christ loved the church, enough to even die for her. So given the absence of Joseph at the foot of the cross, something has happened to him. I believe that it was death. But whether or not it was death, it had to be loss. If it was not death, it was spiritual loss. And that is that Joseph became unfaithful, something that I'm unprepared to believe when I look at his former life and the lack of information we have about any unfaithfulness. And then the other option would be that he was incapacitated in some way, either by extreme physical incapacitation, inability to look after Mary, or insanity. It'd have to be something among these things that I've mentioned. And so all of those would be absolutely loss. There was the loss along the difficult journey of her husband, the father of her other children, and the emotional loss of those other children. So the most unsettling thing for those Jews was yet to come, those persecuting Jews. Sunday morning rolled around, a stone rolled away, and the world has never been the same. So in all of those places, the house of Mary, where John's house, where Mary was, the house of Peter, where certainly he was unable to sleep for that weekend because of the deep regret that he had as he left that place where Jesus was being tormented and went out and wept. Pilate's house, where certainly joy was not occurring because his wife uh, certainly had tried her best to keep Pilate's hands clean during that whole ordeal. Certainly there was turmoil and regret in the house of Pilate. There was reversal and regret, I'm sure, in the hearts of all of the apostles who followed Jesus from afar off. It was a weekend of great dissonance. I'm looking out the window on this Sunday morning at a beautiful morning and thinking about that Sunday morning. When Jesus came from the tomb, one of the first things that he said to his apostles, we read about in John 20, verse 26, when he stood before them all and said, Peace be unto you. <laughs> Dissonance for all of those households had the propensity now to turn into peace because Jesus had made reconciliation. At the cross, yes, he shed the lamb's blood, but that shedding of blood would have meant nothing had Jesus not overcome death, proving once and for all that he was the Son of God. Thank you for listening. I hope you have a wonderful Sunday praising our Father through the Son who left behind 
an empty tomb. Oh, and by the way, one more thing about that empty tomb that we've been talking about. It was truly the only borrowed tomb in the history of the world. When I think about the fact that Jesus Christ's body rested in the tomb of a rich man, Joseph of Arimathea, Jesus is the only one in history who was actually able to come out of that tomb and return it back to its original owner. When you think about that, you really think about the power that is in the sealing of our salvation, even as that tomb was unsealed. I hope you have a great day. Keep digging. If you find yourself in Huntsville, Alabama, we'd love for you to worship with us at West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest. Sunday morning worship begins at 9 a.m., followed by Bible classes for all ages. We meet again at 5 p.m. for evening worship and at 7 on Wednesday night. Dig a Bit is a production of Digging Deep in God's Word, a Bible study for women. For more information, visit thecolleyhouse.org.